0: The songs and the comments that uh, Rondell shared with us, you're just going to get a repeat from a different angle uh, in this lesson. It's just wonderful uh, to hear those words from both the, both the singing and the, and the Lord's Supper. Uh, I need to uh, thank you all for your expressions of concern and kindness last week. Um the, uh, I received a lot of texts and emails and comments and visits from folks and phone calls to Julia to make sure I was okay. Uh, if you weren't here, something happened strange that has never happened to me before. I'm getting feedback. That's happened a lot. Um, the as I study the passage that we're going to consider, you can go ahead and put that up on there. First John chapter one, verse six through ten. Uh, two, the previous Tuesday night, from that time on, I, I, I got about two to four hours of sleep a night. Uh, and, um, and the reason, some, some asked, what were you stressed over? I wasn't stressed. I was so excited about this passage and some things I was seeing, I couldn't sleep. And I was fine until, I, until the first song, Gary has stand up for the first song, and all my energy was gone. I mean, I couldn't stand up. I, I sat down. I was trying to take a deep breath, trying to, you know, trying to feel better. I felt lightheaded. And uh, my da- granddaughter, Ayana, came up to me with a grape. And I was like, okay. I took the grape. thought well, maybe that would help. I turned around to Angel. You got any more of those grapes. And she says, yeah, you look terrible. What's wrong? <laughs> and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I uh, went into the bathroom, put water on my face. Bindy Thompson was there. Are you okay? No, I'm not. And I, I told him what was going on. He said, don't worry, I got you back. So he sat up right up here up front, ready to catch me. And I, I mentioned it uh, that last Sunday because I was afraid I would either get lightheaded and have to sit down or kneel down or, worst case scenario, fall down. And I didn't want you to think I was having a heart attack or something like that. Uh, I really have a very fuzzy, vague memory of the lesson. I, I would just, it was strange. It was a very strange thing. Uh, But, uh, uh, like I said, I thank you for your concern. I did sleep that night. I slept for 11 hours, and then it's been, you know, kind of getting back on track. Uh, But, you know, more important than that was the comments I had about the lesson. There was a sense of excitement from many of you as you looked at this passage and said, Wow, isn't this amazing? And the songs that we sang about our God is an awesome God. Really, that's what this is talking about. If we can grasp what he is saying here in 1 John, we will marvel at what a great God he is. As I examined this passage, I saw a greater love that God expressed has expressed to us than I ever expected. A greater desire of his fellowship with us. A greater power in the cleansing blood of Jesus. And it just makes me thankful for what he's done for us. Let's read verses 5. We're going to say 6 through 10 on the screen. We're going to read verses 5 through 10. And we're not going to cover all these verses. Uh, but we're going to put it in its context. This is the message we have heard from God, from him, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our life. Now, as we look at this in sections, uh, part of the struggle is, I know some of you weren't here last week. And so I've got to have a, each time I have to kind of review so we can catch up. And it's going to be a a very brief review. But one of the things that Rondell said, it it is a theme that I see here, is the good news, the gospel is primarily about God. It's not about us. It's about who God is. And from, from our viewpoint, what we do is a response to Him. We're just responding to the good news about God. It's so incredible. As we look at this and contemplate on the good news of, of God, I believe we have a hard time believing it. Oh, maybe up here in our brain we say, yeah, I believe that. But really in our daily life, do we really believe That it's all about God and this good news. How can a holy God, if we can just grasp that a little bit, a holy God love unholy people? How can a holy God accept us in the condition we're in? So God, who is light, reveals to us his nature. He shows us who he is. And at the same time, his holy light reveals to us our nature. And as we contemplate an honest contemplation of those two things, who God is and who we are, it should astonish us. If we begin to get the slightest grasp on who God is, it should just it should stop us in our tracks in wondering awe. We sang that song. I wonder how many of us sang the song without listening to the words You are beautiful beyond description. It's not talking about his physical beauty. It's talking about who he is. Uh, what, what's the other ver- the part? I stand, I stand in awe of you. And as we look at these verses, that should figuratively and literally, we should stand and fall in awe of him. And yet when I look and I'm able to see who I am in the light of God, it disappoints me. It discourages some of us. It even depresses people unless, this is important, unless in that revelation of God to us, of ourselves, to ourselves, there's an additional revelation that God makes to us about himself, and it's what he does for us. It's how he views us, and it's how he loves us. That's part of the revelation as we see ourselves and we're so disappointed in ourselves and our weakness. He reveals his love and compassion to us. It's it's an impossible thing that God has made possible. And it's so easy to turn this whole message around and it becomes instead of Christ centered, it becomes me centered. It's easy to slide back. It's easy to slide back tomorrow into how I'm doing. How I'm progressing. What I'm not doing and what I am doing. And I, I, I. And without meaning, a Christ-centric message, a God-centered message becomes me-centered. We start focusing on the bigness of our sins. The bigness of my sin instead of the bigness of God's grace. We don't realize how quickly we change the gospel to center around myself. Instead of centering around God. Now, to understand this passage, I, I showed you three things. I think I showed you three things last week. I don't remember, but I think I showed you three things. First, this is important. In in understanding the passage that we're looking at, it will give you joy. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. And it means to make our joy filled up. And so, if your joy is not filled to the full when you... Uh, understand this passage, you need to ask yourself, why? why? Why do I not have joy? I suspect you'll find that you're more focused on the right things you're doing and the wrong things you're doing rather than on what Christ, what God has done for you in Christ. You see how quick we change? We have no joy because we focus on ourselves and what I am doing and what I'm not doing. Secondly, the if passages as we go through them, Are suppositional, and I I explain those to you. And if you want a grammar, I can send you over email the grammar if you don't believe me. But these these ifs are suppositional, which means he's saying, supposing we say this, and then this happens. In our world, we're full of Gnostics just like John was. And I had a brief explanation of what a Gnostic is. a person who knew more than other people. In John's day and time, there are certain types of people called Gnostics who claim they had special knowledge. And we have that today. Here's an example where people say, I know that God wants me to be happy. So he understands when I violate his commands. All right, and they may not say that exactly, but they'll they'll be doing something they shouldn't do. And they say, "But I know God wants me to be happy. Where do you get that from? Show me the, uh, the the verse in the Bible that says God wants you to be happy. Therefore, you can sin. You know something that I don't know that God doesn't reveal. And so that we have these gnostics. So God, uh, John, excuse me, is taking these these different statements that were common in his day and time. And he's saying, this is what people are saying. And supposing we all said that, supposing we took that stance, then this is the ridiculous result of that. Number three, I showed that walking in the light is not living without sin. And this is where a lot of us struggle. We think walking in the light is living a sinless life or at least getting uh, close to that. In fact, there is, in fact, no other way to live. We live We are weak human beings. And that's not to say we live in order to sin. It's not an encouragement to sin. But it's just a recognition of our weak human condition. God calls us in this light to be honest. Be honest with yourself. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say you don't have sin when you do have sin. That's part of what he's saying here. He's saying, don't categorize your sins. When we start living this way, we start categorizing our sins. And we start saying, well, I have these misdemeanor sins and I have these felony sins. And if I can get rid of the felony sins, then God's going to be okay and he's going to let slide the misdemeanor sins. The misdemeanor sins put Jesus on the cross as much as the felony. And yet we don't really, we don't really believe that, do we? Oh, these, my jealousy? Well, that's not so bad. At least I didn't get someone. That would be, you know, class C felony. And that's how we think. We don't really say these words, but this is how we think. I think we categorize because of consequences. We, we see an immediate consequence to something that we've done wrong, an immediate negative effect on ourselves or other, and we say, well, that's a, that's a really bad sin. And yet we say these other sins that are internal, that, you know, that people really don't sin, these sins of our thoughts, our attitudes that aren't as as bad or in our minds are misdemeanor sins. And the horrible thing is those misdemeanor sins can fester in our life for years. And like a cancer, they express themselves years later in terrible ways. That's why misdemeanor sins, small sins, the little sins are just as bad as, as what we think of terrible sins. And because the gospel is God-centered, there's no personal pride in my salvation. There's no personal pride in my present saved self. It's all dependent on God. The gospel of salvation, the gospel of sanctification are God-centered, not man-centered. The last lesson we talked about what darkness and light does not mean. And so so today I thought I was going to get further along. But as I studied, we're going to get to verse 6. We're going to look at what darkness is, what that means. And the reason that I think John states it is so that we can make changes in our life so we won't remain in that state. First of all, before I get into that, who is being addressed here? Who is John writing to? I think he's writing to Christians like you. He's not writing to Christians or or unbelievers, people who have left the Lord or who are walking away from the Lord or who are living in rebellion to God. He's not talking about those people. I think he's talking about you and me who struggle daily with our sins, struggle daily with our attitudes. People who love the Lord, who want to serve him, who try to serve him. They want to do the right thing. And yet they are forever questioning their salvation. I deal with it every week. I've dealt with it for years with Christians who we would say, that's a good Christian. And yet when I talk to them, they struggle, but I still sin. I I don't want to do these things. And so he's addressing people who have joy, but don't have joy to the full. And they're wondering, why don't I? Why don't I have what God says I should have? What's wrong with me? Why do I have such little joy? He's talking to Christians who still sin and wonder why they do and wish they didn't. Their sins and their sinful state causes them grief and distress and it further robs them of their joy. And so they say, why? Why am I like this? These are people who have walked through life, sometimes short, sometimes long. We're going to look at that in chapter 2. Some people who are older, some people are younger in their faith. And they wonder at the end of it all, they wonder at the end, when I meet the Lord, is he going to say, well, welcome, good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, I never knew you? Do those, Does that sound familiar to you? We struggle with that. We struggle with that. And we're here sitting in the church building, church, whatever we're sitting in. We're sitting in this room together, struggling with these things. And it's almost like the people that aren't struggling with it, who are on the river today, that they're having a good time and everything's fine with them and they're happy. And we're saying, why can't we be like them? What a, what a tragedy. And John is writing to these people and saying, hey, I'm writing this so that your joy will be filled to the full. So that you can know that you're saved. So that you will not sin. Those are the three things. I'm going to say that until I'm blue in the face and you're tired of hearing it. But that's what John is saying. Let's look at what walking the light means briefly. This walk in walk in light, walk in darkness, is a metaphor for our daily life. The tense could be said uh, to continually walk. We use we use that uh, somewhat in our lives. Uh, it, it means the same thing as, as in English. How's your walk with the Lord? It means how, how's your daily life. You know, going. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians 4 where he says, live your lives worthy. Live your lives is the same word here as walk. Colossians uh, Colossians 1 verse 10 says, live a life worthy of the Lord. Same thing, walk worthy of the Lord, some of your translations may say. And so this walk is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that that John here describes as a lifestyle of darkness or a lifestyle of light. You're walking in, in the light or you're walking in the darkness. And we showed in that last lesson that many think that walking in the darkness is living a life of sin, and walking in the light is living a life that's maybe sinless or moving that direction, and that can't be. It just can't be because as you read the context, reread it, I explained it last week, as you read that context, walking in the light includes sinning. He says that if you if you say, if you claim to be without sin, you're deceiving yourself. Light walkers actually Sin. simplify it, I believe what he's saying is this light is walking in the proper knowledge of God. Darkness is walking in not understanding God. Let me show you uh, three quick passages starting in Luke chapter one, uh, Luke chapter one. Verse 76, Zechariah is, is, is called Zechariah's son. A song. He's talking about his, his son, John, and in verse 76 he says, And you, my child, he's prophesying, the Holy Spirit has filled him, he's prophesying, he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, because of the tender mercy of our God... <laughs> By which the rising sun, he gives you this light uh, uh, picture here. The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the paths of peace. He says light is coming through John here so that that God can shine on you and you can understand. You can begin to understand. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 29 this is Simeon, as he held Jesus in his arms, baby Jesus in his arms. He said, Sovereign Lord, you have promised, as you have promised, and now you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light, Jesus, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory, and for glory to your people Israel. He has come as light. And then, over in Second Corinthians... Chapter two four Chapter four let me get over there. Chapter four starting in verse four. He says The God of this age has blinded here's darkness, the mind of the unbelievers, so they cannot see what? The light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said for the God who said Let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts Why? to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So this light is giving us, showing us God, showing us God, and of course, showing us ourselves. Let's look at darkness. What does this, what does life walking in darkness look like? Number one, a walk, a dark life can be a very religious life. I think it's important for us churchgoers to see this. Last week I, showed, I told you the story about the Pharisee and the, and, and the tax collector from Luke chapter, I think it was 18. And it's like that. You can be a very religious person. You can have grown to the point in your faith that you no longer see that you depend on God, a dependency on God. Your religious life has usurped God. Everything's fine. You are doing things and you're going to church and you're giving and life is getting better. And you're walking in the darkness because you no longer depend on God. Number two is a person who lives in past sins. I, 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 I counsel people practically weekly on this. God said this, I will remember their sins no more. The dark person remembers their sins. And they live in guilt. People who are depressed, anxious, frustrated, worried, worried, on and on. Often those are symptoms of people holding on to past sins. They're hanging on to their past sins. What are you worried about? What are you, what are you anxious about? What are you depressed about? And they're hanging on to sins in their past. That God has already said that he's forgiven. I will remember those sins no more. And it's not to say we don't have a memory of our past sins and that we remember them so we can avoid them. But this person is hanging on to them. They won't let them go. This is a person walking in the dark. They're hanging on to past sins. They're holding on to sins that God says, I've released those. I've let them go. Third is a person who is trying mightily to live up to a standard by their own power. They're trying their best. They're working hard at it. They're doing their, the very best. As one author I, I read said, with all their might and main. Have you ever done that? Work really, 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 really hard to be a good Christian? And you get really, really disappointed how bad you are. You're walking in the darkness. Paul portrayed this, I believe, in Romans chapter 7. He says, you know, the good I know I should do, I don't do. And the, the, the things I shouldn't do, I do. And, he's, and he says, what am I to do with all that? And he says, says at the end, he says, thanks be to God who gives me the glory, who gives me the victory. And that's, that's walking the light. When we're struggling in those sins, and we do struggle in sins. He says, if you keep trying to say, well, I'll, I'll get over this. I'll do hard. I'll work harder, I'll try more. You're walking in darkness. There's two common elements of a person walking in darkness. First, there's no joy. I find very little joy in religious people. Where that's their focus. I find no joy with people who are hanging on to their past sins. I find very little joy in people who are trying really, really hard. There's no joy because it's me-centered. It's centered around me. What I'm doing how many times I'm going to church, how hard I'm trying, what I'm doing. You see, it's not about us again. We're centered around, uh, we're, we, we center around ourselves so quickly. Without knowing or meaning to, I create a God in my own image that's more like me. I live my life as if the blood of Jesus hasn't cleansed me. I live in doubt and guilt, trying to do better. Going to do better, going from one failure to the next failure, lacking joy. That's walking in darkness. Let's look at a couple of claims real quickly. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with God, what does he say? We lie. We lie. John is showing how ridiculous this this statement is. He says, suppose we claim this. Suppose you and me, we claim we have fellowship with God. And yet we're living our lives trying to be a better person with our own power. Suppose you and I claim that we have communion with God. And yet we live our lives remembering our past sins. And hanging on to them. Suppose you and I, we claim we have a relationship with God. And yet we go through life in fear and doubt. We lie. You see how ridiculous that is when you really start thinking about it? If we claim to be with God and fellowship with God, and yet I walk through my life in fear, that, that's an interesting study. One of the very first things that Adam said was, I was afraid. And all through the Bible, something like 300-something times, God says over and over, do not be afraid. Do not be, 300-something times. Why do you think he says it so much? Because we forget And we walk through life in fear. And he says, you know, if you claim to have a relationship with God and you're full of fear, you lie. And who are you lying to? the context, we're lying to ourselves. We're self-deceived people. The good news of God, of past salvation, present salvation, is such good news that I'm convinced that many people rather live self-deceived lives. And live in the grace of God. They walk through life in fear and anxiety. And God says, you're living a lie. You're living a lie. You do not live by the truth. You do not live by the truth when you're that way. What is that word truth? You know, truth is a very abstract word. It's hard to get our minds around it. What is truth, Pilate asked. He's just repeating what the philosophers had said for centuries. And let me give you a little word lesson here. The word truth here is a compound word. It's not difficult. Atheist. It's, a, it's two words put together. A theist. Not a theist. All right? Not a believer in God. That's an atheist. The word aletheia, that's the word truth. Guess what it means? Not a lanthano, hidden. Not hidden. Isn't that interesting? The revealing light of God is his truth. It's not hidden. He's saying, to be to, if you do not live the truth, you are actually living a life that is hidden. You're concealing. You're hiding. Truth is not hidden. Truth is not concealed. When he says, you do not live by the truth, he is not saying, you do not live by the true set of rules. He's not saying you have a, there's a true set of rules that you're no longer living by. He's not saying that at all. He means you do not live your life open to God, open to yourself. And I don't even think he's addressing other people right now. He's not talking about me being open to you. He's talking about you being open to God. Be, right, be real with God. Be truthful to God. Don't hide anything from Him. Don't pretend you're doing so well to Him. Just be honest with yourself And with him, you deceive yourself that you're doing all the right things or you're trying to do the right things and you're doing good enough that God's saving you right now. And again, it's not about you. It's about God. Your salvation, your continued salvation is the work of God. It's the grace of God washing you from your sins. You are self-deceived if you hang on to forgiven sins. I know some of you are still hanging on to sins that God forgave years ago. you remember them every morning. You'll remember them as you walk through your life. You're living a self-deceived life. What you're saying is that every promise that God made to you about the cleansing of your sins doesn't apply to you. You're self-deceived. You're walking in darkness. You, you're, not, you're hanging on to something that God has let go. You're trying, if you're one of the ones who are trying hard to live up to a, a set of laws in order for God's gracious work to be in your life, you're living a lie. You deceive yourself into believing that if you ever learn what to do or do enough or if you can be better, or you can work harder or do certain things, then you'll be acceptable to God. He says here, you're walking in darkness. Walking in darkness. And what he's trying to do here is saying, do you see how ridiculous that is? Fellowship with God doesn't center around you. Your part is simply a response to that grace. Focus on that grace. Focus on what he's done, and you'll respond properly. You'll do the right thing. We see that in our initial salvation. When, when people first come to the Lord, they're broken. They've seen how they've messed up their life. They're, they're torn apart and they come to Him and say, I can't do it on my own. I come to God. And they're received into fellowship. They respond in faith. They're baptized into Christ. But somewhere along the line, Satan gets us. He maneuvers us into believing this lie that if you just work hard enough now, if you do more, if you live better, And you'll be right with God. You're walking in darkness. Now, don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of John. John's going to get there, and I'm going to get there too. When we get to chapter two, living in the light will help us not to sin. No, we do not want to sin, and that's what I'm saying. That's your struggle. You don't want to. I know you don't want to. But but walking in darkness is trying your best not to walk in darkness. Walking in the light, we'll see next week. It's just being honest with God and letting Him cleanse you as He should. Galatians 3, verse 3 says this, Are you so foolish? Are you so foolish? And I say, yes, I am. (laughs) Sometimes I really am. After beginning with the Spirit, after coming to Christ in the Spirit, are you trying to obtain your goal by human effort? Read the book of of Galatians. He says, are we so foolish to think that it's by our own effort instead of God work in us? Human effort in achieving salvation, maintaining salvation, is walking in darkness. And I think what John is saying here, I think he says the first step in healing, the first step of getting out of darkness is to recognize the problem so that you won't walk there anymore. If you're trying to live by your own righteousness, I want to encourage you. Give it up. The Bible calls it rubbish. Only Christ's righteousness is adequate. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 says this. Paul says, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Some of you try really, really hard. And just take that verse, take Philippians here, meditate on that and say, Am I trying to live up to my own righteousness or, do I, or am I, have I received it and resting in the righteousness that comes from God by faith? If you're hanging on to your past sins, maybe you need to spend the week meditating on Hebrews chapter 8. Some of you hang on to those past sins. And and God says there, this is the covenant that I made with you. This is a covenant. This is a promise. This This is my agreement with you. And part of that, this is at the end there. He says, for I will forgive their wickedness. And I will remember their sin no more. That's God speaking, not me. He says, I will remember your sins no more. So I ask, why do you keep hanging on to them? Why do you keep remembering them? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so fearful? God has forgotten them. Except you keep reminding Him of them. Third, if you're working hard to measure up, if you're really working hard to measure up to to God, read the whole book of Galatians. The whole book is written to a people who are trying to live by a law and by trying to live the law. Both the written law of the Old Testament and laws that they made up. And in the end, he says this, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm not trying to live up. In, I'm not trying to live by the law anymore. I'm not trying to measure up to anything anymore. Here's where I live through the cross of Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's as far as I could get this week. That's verse six. Next week is one of the most exciting verses of all. I won't sleep this week. (laughs) No, I will, I promise. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies all sin. It's so good news that some of you just can't believe it. And I want to encourage you to take a look at this good news. Rest in the grace of God. Be at peace in the grace of God. He's, he loves you more than you know. Some of you may, I think Rondell mentioned this, are outside of that. This, this is a promise to those in Christ. Those who, who are abiding in Him, as Don later on talks about. And he says, this is the most wonderful, joy-filled life that you can imagine. All the things that, he, that Rondell was saying... All the things we try to get in our lives, worthless compared to knowing Christ. If you don't know Him, we invite you to come as our elders will be here. If you know what to do, if you don't know what to do, if you actually don't know what to do and you want to find out, just come up here and say, I don't know how to get into Christ. Someone teach me. We'll do that for you.